This podcast contains strong language and adult themes. Date Night China explores life and love for better relationships in China. Every week, we hear from different guests and dive into dating, relationships, mental health, and how both expats and Chinese people connect with each other here in China. Join the Date Night community through our podcast and events in Beijing and Shanghai, and catch up on all the latest stories on our official WeChat account. Find our account on WeChat by searching Date Night China. No spaces, no capital letters. You can also join our WeChat group by adding Rachel, me, on WeChat. You can search Rachel Weiss twenty two, R A C H E L W E I S S twenty two. And now for this week's episode. Welcome back to Date Night China. This week we are chatting with Dr. Runze Ding, one of the first researchers to study Chinese gay porn and sexual culture in China. Dr. Runze talks about his studies on gay identity in China, the gay porn industry, and his experiences working with local gay organizations in Guangzhou and Beijing. Dr. Runze has completed case studies on so many topics: Chinese semi-professionally produced gay porn. The use, the uses, and gratification of Blue, the gay dating app in mainland China, and queer males' ex sex. Oh, so there was a there was a break there. <laughs> queer males' sex influences on Twitter, to name a few. There's so much to his research and his work, and we're very lucky to have him on the show. So welcome. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. I'm really excited. I, I've heard thank about you for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, we're really excited to have you on.、Um, yeah, I've heard about your work and I've read a lot of your case studies, and there's just so many things to to talk about with porn in China. Yeah, and and、uh, and listeners,、uh, please please bear with us. There there is some delay in the audio recording today, so just be patient. Uh, Uh, but、uh, I'm sure it'll all be fine. Yes, and and Dr. Unza, can okay, you tell us、no、a little、problem. bit about yourself,、uh, where you're from, a little bit about your studies,、um, and where you currently are? Okay, right. I'm Unza Ding, and、uh, I was born in Hebei Province, and then I moved to Shenzhen.、Uh, so basically, I can say I grew up in Shenzhen, and then I.、Uh, Attended my university in Tianjin, and then I moved to the UK to do my further studies, both my masters and my PhD. And then、uh, I、uh, I joined Shenzhen University as a postdoc、uh, two years ago, and then I I'm now in Zhuhai, in also in Guangzhou,、uh, Guangdong Province, and.、Um, I'm assistant professor in media and communication now at the university.、Uh, well, we have a very long name, <laughs> so we are.、Uh, my university is、uh, Beijing Normal University、uh, and Hong Kong Baptist University、uh, International. Well,、uh, United International College. <laughs> I guess it's the longest name.、Uh, Of any universities you will ever heard. So anyway, we we just call it USC. So yeah. So now I'm working at USC in the Department of Media and Communication and、uh, as a assistant professor. So, so right. What, what was your、um, first interest in looking at this subject? You know, gay porn in China.、Uh, 
Um, how did you first think, oh, this would be a really interesting topic to uncover? Was it because nobody's speaking about this and it needed a voice? What what led you to this field? Okay, right. Um, I think that's partially uh, because of uh, my um, my PhD project. So my PhD project is about gay identity and digital media in China. So I talked with gay men in China about the uses of the digital media and how that uh, shaped the construction of gay identity. So during our conversations, uh, the topic of gay porn emerged, I mean, almost every time. So uh, and I thought, oh, right, that's interesting. I mean, it seems that gay porn uh, has uh, like a vital role in the everyday life, but it seems that no one talked about it. Um, so I started uh, writing on this subject and also that is that that was also an opportunity to join a special issue on uh from porn studies the journal and they you so they that there was a call for paper on uh, to explore eastern east asia uh porn culture and uh, so i i saw that uh call for paper and saw okay right i can write about this so then I, I just start, um, started my work on gay porn and gay sexual culture. Yeah, that's uh, briefly the history. And, and when you started, did you, did you have anything to go on? Was it like, did you, were you starting this realizing that nobody's talking about this? So you, were, you, you had an opportunity to look at like unbroken ground as it were, like there was nothing that preceded your work. Are, are you quite relatively uh, alone or stand out in, in talking about this topic? Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that because uh, this, uh, that there were research done about porn in China, pornography in China, and my work is largely in um, influenced by the work of Katrin Jacobs, uh, who is, uh, I think she's an associate professor in Hong Kong, in Hong Kong University or Hong Kong Chinese, Chinese University of Hong Kong, I, I can't remember now. But anyway, uh, so she has work, she has a book called The People's Pornography, which is uh, uh, exploration or investigation on pornography in China. And that that's that probably is the uh, groundbreaking work in Western uh, Academy uh, on this subject. And uh, I think I just followed her step and uh, extended the investigation into uh, gay porn culture or gay sexual life. So, yeah. Um, can you share a bit more with us, like kind of an overview of porn in China? Because all pornography, gay and straight, is illegal here, right? Maybe is that like why maybe not many people are openly investigating and talking about it? Um, yeah, can you just share a little bit about that? I think that would be a big question. A lot of people have like porn's illegal, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Porn is illegal, but uh, Chinese individuals have has long been able or, or have long been uh, have, have been always find, 
find a way to access porn. I mean, in the 1990s, well, I mean, late, late 1990s, when the internet was introduced to China, and uh, that already provided uh, Chinese people uh, w- uh, ways to access porn. And also in that age, there are like uh, CDs and DVDs, right? I mean, uh, probably VCDs, right? I, I, I don't know what, which generation were you from, but I mean, uh, that, that was a, a period of time people have like uh, tape recorders and things like VCD players, right? So that they, they that is that was an industry on this uh, VCD or or like videotapes of uh, porn in China, but this all sold privately or circulated privately uh, in China. And uh, afterwards, right, since the internet has been uh, introduced to Chinese people's life, uh, people have always find a way to access porn through internet, right? This early stage, uh, they they there's like uh, erotic uh, di- discussion forums, right? So, so there are like uh, those forums, and then later on, you, uh, they have this kind of peer-to-peer downloading service also provide a way uh, for people to access porn. Platforms like Quibo was uh, launched in 2007, which was um, a must-have for sex streaming desktop software, and uh, and, and also interestingly, the the CEO of Quibo was uh, sentenced uh, under Chinese uh, uh, law uh, because of this the, the, because the, their service provide or facilitate access to uh, sexually explicit material. So. Uh, and uh, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to go too, too far, but I mean, people has always been finding ways to access porn in China. So porn is definitely uh, an important part in people's private life in China, although it's illegal, but it's, it's sort of growing or booming under the censor. And uh, I guess that's what I can say in general about porn in China. Yeah, that, it's really interesting to hear, I guess, the history and how, yeah, people are still, of course, going to find ways to access it. Um, can you tell us about this um, Chinese semi-professionally produced gay porn that you studied? I think, is it called Chi Tu? Yeah, 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 it's called Chi Tu. And yeah, so can you uh, tell that us was... About that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, Chu Chu is a series of uh, porn videos, uh, presumably produced by a team of uh, gay guys, or maybe not gay guys, but there's, I mean, there's no evidence suggesting they could I mean, there's no evidence or any clues of their identities because, as uh, you, you know, porn is illegal. I mean, the producing porn is is also illegal and may face sentences in China. But even though I, I guess should um, true as the earliest uh, porn series made by Chinese individuals is 
significant. Um, so this theory was uh, was produced around 2010, and then circulated on gay online forums during 2010 and 2013. Was uh, about 20 uh, free to free to access YouTube videos on websites like uh, X videos. So. Uh, yeah, and they were filmed by a team of uh, people and they produce this type of porn, which I call semi-professional, uh, because why I call it semi-professional, because they are, they, they are team production and and they, they have traces of professional produce, right? They try to make it professional. Um, but on the other hand, they are not that professional as Western studio uh, pornography videos because, uh, I mean, due to their like lightings uh, and settings, editing, uh, editing skills, and also um, the way how they portray sex in these uh, videos also makes it different from Western professionally produced a studio porn so yeah so so but what what has garnered it so much popularity how has it risen is it like been just through peer-to-peer -peer sharing um i guess you know it's, it's had to it's had to get popular secretly right yes that's the i think that's all contributed that's all the contribution of online forums so in China, there are like several main online forums for gay people. And in those online forums, there will be always a section on uh, pornography or pornography related materials. So people share those materials in the online forums. So in around perhaps 2010, people started to post two videos on those or links of G2 videos on those online forums. So it then gained popularity among the gay uh, community in China. Um, for, for the people who perform in these videos, you said that they have to keep their identity a secret. How do they do that? Do they just yes. not show their faces? Do they wear maybe different costumes or clothing to cover up who they are? Right, that's interesting. I mean, they have like some in some videos. I think they make masks on. I mean, uh, on people's not the masks that we are buying now every day. I mean, it's literally the the digital the digital masks uh, to mark their to 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 erase their their identities. To, to and also in some in some videos, uh, they wear sunglasses. I mean, that that also interestingly there are. A increasing number of people who are not fair to share their face now. Oh, I mean, there are increasingly, but in, in the in, yeah, in my second one, in, in the in the research I done with Shrai one Wang Shrai Shrai, we collaborated the the paper um, on sexual influencers, right? So those sexual influencers are not afraid to show their face uh, on Twitter. I mean, I mean, at least 
some of I can't I, I can't say. I mean, there are still people who are protective who who want to protect their privacy and true identities, but there are uh, people who are not shy and who are willing to show their faces in uh, those sexual videos. Wow. With your studies and cases about this, were you able to talk to some of the um, porn like uh, performers? Were you able to meet any of them? Or I, I guess it must be yes. difficult if they yeah. protect their identity. Oh, wow. So what was that like, meeting the, the performers? I, I uh, We had interviews with those performers. Uh, but I mean, of course, you know, we can't really uh, interview those who are very famous in the field. <laughs> but we did manage... Because, well, I mean, those who are very uh, famous, or they, they make, well, I mean, they make money from it, right? They are, they might be money boys, or they might be, you know, uh, uh, who's going to be, use that as a career, well, what we call sex influencers, right? So like, like YouTubers, right? They can be sex influencers. I think most of the, our interviewees were like the, well, the ordinary people, well, who's maybe like uh, civil servants and who, and also who might be like social media specialists, right? So the the most interesting case I remembered is the civil servant who has like probably uh, five hundred thousand followers now on Twitter. And uh, he just promote. Uh, he just po- he posted like mainly photos of himself on Twitter. And uh, for me, I think the, the 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 idea or the motivation for him to post such pictures wasn't about making money, but about to gain self confidence and also to uh, to have uh, like different ways to. Uh, finding uh, or potential dates. So for them, the, the Twitter for them is like a, a sex archive or a sex portfolio, right? People can can check and then um, which may facilitate some offline uh encounters but it's interesting how people are using twitter for that because yeah that's very popular in the west for people to post uh just like only fans sharing videos and things online and it's it's interesting that in china they're also using twitter um for this um you also did a study on the china dating app blued for date night china we often talk about dating apps especially like online dating and how people are meeting and interacting um, I found it really interesting you shared and said in your study on Blued, um, although many users felt hopeless about finding a boyfriend on Blued, they continued using the app to maximize the potential of a relationship. General negative perceptions towards Blued users have also been observed. Participants expressed ambivalence regarding their membership in the gay community on Blued. The project concludes that Blued has created a sense of imagined community. Can you expand expand a little bit on this um, this sense of the community? So I guess a lot of people are looking for a way to meet people and feel community, but they don't actually find that sometimes. Very few people. I like I, I like what happens in the West, right? You have gay clubs, you have LGBT centers, right? You have many physical uh, 
community base, right, for LGBT people in the West. But although we have those LGBT centers, right, like HIV testing uh, services or like grassroots organizations such as that, uh, they do not attract a large, large amount of people to attend that activity. So for the majority of Chinese or for, for many Chinese gay men, they, the, uh, they don't actually go to the physical uh, community centers or community events or, or something like that, right? I mean, not official organizations or things like that. So for them, uh, the, the most convenient way to engage people or to interact or to socialize with uh, gay individuals is through dating apps, right? So then, in this sense, dating apps created an imagined community, right? So you, you can scroll on your cell phone and see what, what are the people surrounding you, right? So you get the sense you, I mean, there are many gay people uh, around you and you can chat with them, right? You can socialize with them. So in, in this sense, right, it, these apps, they created a sense of imagined community. But why I think why I say it is a ambivalent relationship is because, especially on Blue, uh, many of my participants they find Blue is mostly used for hookup and for casual sex, right? So they. And for those who are interested in developing long-term relationships or trying to find a boyfriend, they get annoyed or they get, you know, uh, disappointed by the atmosphere on blood. So is it is it so? Just to clarify, I mean, there are people. I mean, community is quite a broad term. Is it more the sense that? The members that use it, they 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 don't feel like they are a part of community because they've got that individualistic need, you know, like they are going on there for like they'll they'll use it for hookups or casual encounters. There might be a broader sense that, oh, I hope I find a boyfriend or a partner, but there's no real community cohesion. Like that being a part of Blue doesn't make them feel a part of a community. Uh, yeah, but the idea of solidarity or what's the, the general sense of community, I think it's also related to how people perceive gay identity in China. Uh, and this is largely different from what, uh, the, what the understanding of in, in the Western context. Uh, I think for Chinese people, they generally take a and like non-confrontational approach to their identity, which I mean, uh, they, I mean, they, 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 they trying to obey, uh, like the, uh, the, what you call, uh, uh, in Chinese we call it xiao dao, right? It's like you should obey your parents, right? Uh, and and uh, so they're trying to not confront all these uh, cultural norms in, in China, right? But meanwhile, they, they want to keep this. Uh, they they want to keep their 
gay sexual life or, or gay lifestyle in, in general. So that so in this way they they so being gay or, or having this gay identity is very is it's a, it's a latent identity, and also for them it's largely become uh, a, a private issue. And then so and and if we compare in the West, right, we have the LGBT movements, right, which is which is a, a series of political movements, right, trying to gain. Um, political rights and uh, eco uh, and equality, right, uh, among uh, gay LGBT individuals in the society, but that's not happening in China. And also, people, 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 uh, people also recognize that perhaps not going to happen in China, right? So, um, so the 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 political dimension of gay identity in China. Is very ambiguous, right? The political set is 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 largely constrained or limited, uh, but the but the private set is sort of uh, blooming or or growing under the new liberal uh, society in China. So in this way, I, I guess that also explains why Chinese gay community. Cannot form a sense of solidarity.、Mm. I think that's clear. Okay, sorry. No, yeah, that, I think that's interesting. With talking about community in China and finding community, you had mentioned before about like offline organizations, community centers,、um, and you yourself has have also worked with like local gay organizations in Guangzhou and in Beijing. Can you share a bit about your experiences working with some of these organizations and? Were you there just observing? Were you doing some case studies?、Um, what did you kind of notice from your experiences with them? Right, I think the we should uh, acknowledge uh, some background of the development of gay grassroots or gay organizations in China. So those organizations、uh, were generally. Extinguished in the two thousand in the early two thousands or probably around the two thousand mark、uh, under the title of HIV prevention. So they gain they gained this、uh, legitimacy through、um, working as partners with the government to promote uh or to to promote uh sexual health or to prevent. HIV in China, so、uh, right, so they 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 extinguished under this broad umbrella, and then because they have to facilitate、uh, HIV tests and、uh, also se- sexual、uh, STD tests as well, so they have they 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 started to run community events and uh, uh, community activities. To to、uh, as as set as as a set project of of their obligations. So then, right? So uh, so uh, they so so right? So this boosts a, a, a sort of local community engagement in in, in at least in in the、uh, major cities in China.
uh, and this in in those activities, uh, they like they like uh, they can be like general. For example, they can be uh, general uh, screening of LGBT themed films, right? And also could be uh, can be book clubs, and also can uh, go somewhere right? uh, hiking, right? Or so this this all like they created certain like social activities for the local communities. Um, and but but still, this is the, the activities is really limited to certain people, right? So to those who want to engage with those organizations, right? But not the majority of the individuals in uh, in China. I, I think it's really great because we we are part of the Beijing community and we have partnered with um you know the Beijing LGBT Center here. Um, and it, it's really wonderful that there is support and community and, and a place for people to look to, or a lot of people have created their own groups, you know, if, if they want to make something that they don't see that there already is with their communities. Um, where do you see the future of gay sexual identity in China going um, in terms of people maybe trying to embrace or explore their sexual identity more? Are you seeing more people are opening up um, and finding communities? Yeah, what do you expect for the future? So I think those social activities created by the local LGBT organizations, such as LGBT Beijing LGBT Center, they are doing great jobs. And also um, it is vital for the development of Chinese LGBT communities uh, in, that, in that sense. But what I'm saying is, although it, it seems like they, they're doing their, their, their best, but for many Chinese LGBT individuals, uh, it, it seems like their engagement to those organizations are limited. Or, or, uh, and so most of, most of them still, uh, for them, the main way of accessing or interacting with LGBT people or gay individuals uh, is to use those dating apps. So that's why I say, although they are disappointed with the dating culture on Blue D, but they're still using it to find a boyfriend because this is still the most convenient way for them to interact with other gay individuals in their local area. Uh, and uh, about what you say about the future, right. Um, I think it's an interesting question. And uh, as I said, um, about the about the political side or, or the political uh, uh, dimension of gay identity in China, it, it is I don't know if, if it's it's just my from my own observations. I think it is more and more limited. Uh, so or more and more are uh, increasingly constrained in C's government. And also, I guess, the whole idea about civil society and things like that, right? Those ad related to rights advocacy. So those right advocacy related activities are really uh, constrained or limited under, current, under the current government. But 
again, as I said, uh, because the the, deva- the the development of neoliberalism in China or this uh, market or uh, after market reform, so the the market is being the the, the driven force of uh, people's economic and social life, right? So that certainly opens opportunities for gay people and for the construction of gay identity in China. So that is still sort of uh, vibrantly growing, right? In, in Chinese, uh, under Chinese uh, current culture and, uh, I mean, under current China. So I guess, I don't know what is the future, but I think that is, it seems the identities, I mean, gay identity is dividing, uh, or, Oh, oh, I don't know what was the best way to, to describe uh, my thoughts. Dr. Runza, thank you ever so much for your time today talking to us about this. I'm sure we could go into more granular depth about certain topics around this 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 issue. Well, not, not issue, but some uh, conversation. And um, we'd love to have you on again sometime. But thank you ever so much for talking to us today. Oh, thank you. I mean, I, sometimes my mind is not really clear. I mean, I, I've been dragged by my teaching, so I've, uh, uh, I mean, I've, I've not really organized myself today. So sorry if I'm if I'm being a bit uh, messy and not clear on certain concepts. Please forgive me, and uh, uh, that's because I was super busy with my teaching. <laughs> No worries. No worries. We're just really appreciative for you taking the time to chat with us today. Um, Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of Date Night China.